Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. This is part one of my conversation with Carmine. He goes by Carmine's Cards out on Instagram. He also has a podcast and a YouTube channel called Crosstown Cardboard that he does with his co-host Craig. Great show. Uh, I want to thank Rob, sports card therapist, for making this connection because I had never gotten a chance to talk to another serious Larry Bird collector. And that's what Carmine is here. I mean, this is episode 33 of 3 and 3. I had to connect with a Larry Bird collector on here. So really fun conversation for me. And he's got a great job too, Carmine. He uh, right now is a sports broadcaster covering the Clemson college football team. And just a great guy to talk to. Uh, I learned a lot from this conversation. He comes from a different time period. He was born, I think he says here in 1994. Um, so I really stopped collecting around right around that time, maybe 95. So He's a younger guy than me. He's 29 years old. So he comes from a different era of the hobby. And he has a lot of knowledge on some of these newer Larry Bird sets and, and cards that um, I really don't have a lot of knowledge of. So great conversation. Hope you enjoy it too. Again, this will be a two-part episode. And here we go. Episode 33 of 3 and 3. Very special episode. And I'm joined by, oh, this is exciting, another Larry Bird collector. Yep, we got, there we go. Carmine of Carmine's Cards. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I did not know, Adam, that you were also a Larry Bird collector until um, we started recording. So this is like, you know, fresh off the energy of finding out, you know, I got my Bird uh, Celtics Night t-shirt and you got the uh, Indiana State Sycamore. So I'm excited. And I was, as I was saying uh, before we jumped on here, recording i said this used to fit me a little better when i was in college so <laughs> right it still works you know still works it looks good yeah man so um like i said i think this might be the first time i've actually ever had a conversation with another larry bird collector you mentioned earlier you know there's a lot of people in the hobby that buy and sell larry bird cards but to actually collect as you know as an end game um i i, I made a joke about this i Recently, I, th I feel like there's more Penny Hardaway collectors than Larry Bird collectors in the hobby right now. You you might be right. You might be right because Penny had that certain flavor, you know, with the magic. And then there's the element of what could have been with Shaq and, you know, making it to the finals, but getting beat by Akeem and the Rockets. So and he's cooler. Let's be honest. You know, Larry Bird's not the flashiest, the coolest. But as we both know, obviously, he got it done. Yeah. And, and I think that's what will be interesting, too, as we talk about this. Because uh, Larry Bird's an interesting guy to collect because, you know, most of his playing days cards came during the junk wax era. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of his cards. Um, and but I think what we'll look at is through the years, even after his playing days, you know, there's some awesome Larry Bird cards. And uh, I know you're someone who collects a lot of the modern Larry Bird cards, too. Um, I hadn't done too much of that until pretty recently. So it, it will be interesting to kind of talk about the different eras of not only Larry Bird cards, but just the hobby in general and, and how you can collect a player throughout the years, even after their playing days. 100%. And uh, like we were talking about before we hit record, I usually don't get to talk about my own collection as much because on my podcast, uh, Crosstown Cardboard, you know, we're basically talking about different topics. So we don't often like open the, the Zion case and get into it. So I'm excited to have ironically more freedom on your podcast to talk about my own collection. Yeah. And, um, I, I enjoy your, your show with uh, Craig, right? Craig's your co-host on that show. Yep. yep. Um, and I, it was either yesterday or the day before I was watching your, I think it was your last episode 
And uh, you mentioned, I, I want to mention this, that um, you are actually a sports broadcaster down in South Carolina. And right now, mm -hmm. are you covering the Clemson Tigers football team? Yeah, yeah, yep. That's Man, right. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. So it kind of, uh, I knew I wanted to do something in sports. And then sports cards is kind of like the uh, the childlike element of incorporating sports into my life. And then, you know, the more professional element of sports in my life is my job. So it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's always revolved around sports. So I figure that's, that's where one of my hobbies is at too. Absolutely. You know, I had um, Chris from card ladder on mm -hmm. this for three and three. Uh, I, I was like, you know, episode 23, I should get a Jordan collector on there. Yeah. That's kind of how I originally started the idea of the different numbers and so forth. And of course, if I'm going to do it for Jordan, I got to do it for Larry Bird, man. So oh, yeah. 33, Larry Bird collected. Now, um, my story is pretty simple. I, I grew up a lifelong, you know, I've been a lifelong Celtics fan, grew up in Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, so naturally, Larry Bird's somebody that I'd want to collect. What's your story with how you came to be a Larry Bird fan and a collector? That's a great question, Adam. And I was thinking, actually, because I've been excited about this episode all day. And I'm like, you know, thinking in the shower, what if he asked me this question? And <laughs> thankfully, you asked it. So I grew up in Austin, New York, in uh, Westchester County, about 45 minutes to an hour north of the city. Very diverse area. So we didn't have a lot of white kids in town who played basketball. And I was the odd man out, you know. Which, which is fine with me. I mean, it made me tougher. It made me, you know, have a chip on my shoulder. Like, I'm going to prove myself to a lot of the black kids in town who are my best friends to this day from basketball. And I distinctly remember, you know, I wasn't alive for Larry Bird, obviously. You know, I, I was born in 1994. So I wasn't even born by the time he was retired. So, you know, but obviously he's he's the best white basketball player of all time. I don't think, you know, anybody would even argue that uh, Steve Nash with his back-to-back -back MVPs, but he's not Larry Bird with the championships and, you know, all around game. And I'll never forget when I got into this argument with my friends outside of my house playing basketball and they're like, Oh, Larry Bird, that white guy couldn't play. And I remember going inside, logging onto my mom's computer. This is probably like seventh or eighth grade printing out Larry Bird's career stat sheet on the old school desktop and the HP printer, bringing it outside. And I said, look at this guy's stats and what he did in his career. And you tell me he couldn't play. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know he averaged 29 a game. And you know, I didn't know he was wow. Three MVPs in a row. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. And I'm like, thank you. You know, I had to like defend myself. And so you know, just like in anything else, uh, you identify with somebody who looks like you. And so I identified with Larry Bird and I was the the odd man out white kid in my town playing basketball. Um, but so that was that was why I, I went for him. And then also Steve Nash, because he was the most current white guy who I, I could identify with uh, and kind of, you know, pushed me in that direction um, as the outlier and trying to make a name for yourself and gain the respect of everybody else. Yeah, I mean, that's a great story. And I was born in 81. I, I figured you were younger than me. I wasn't sure how much, but right. that makes sense. You know, I, I, I pretty much stopped collecting right around when you were born. Like right around 95 is when I stopped collecting. Um, okay. And, you know, being born in 81, most of Bird's like prime years were already over by the time I really remember watching it. But right. obviously my dad would relay and my mom's a big Celtics fan. So she would relay mm -hmm. the 
the legend of Larry Bird. And, and, you know, I was just on the cusp of it. So I remember starting to watch like 88, 89 and Bird was still really good, but you know, his peak years were before right. that. So, right. and that's, you know, there, I didn't even, re- I don't remember watching their last championship. So, you know, I kind of missed, I missed it like live, so to speak. But, um, you know, the thing with Bird was always, uh, for me, it was absolutely the stats and the MVPs and, and, uh, you know, leg- Larry legend, it's, Right. He's a legend. But if you look at his highlight, not just his stats, but you look at the way he played. I mean, it was yes. just yes, unbelievable. This so, he's so unique, man, of uh, not just a score, but like all around game and just the style that he played was yeah. that for me is like for what makes him the cool him and magic were just such team players. They made everyone around him so much better. And um, that's what I love. Like, you know, there's not too many guys that I've seen that can do it to that level. Uh, Michael Jordan did it in a different way, you know, but right. Bird and Magic had their own style uh, at the same time. So it was just, you know, it's just the peak for me, the peak of basketball. So, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I agree. And I think that'll come up also with because uh, I pers- like Magic is my second guy who I collect. And it's funny because I didn't live through either one of their careers. But uh, just being a basketball nut that I am, um, I, I feel like you can't have one without the other. Right. So. Uh, you know, but like you said, just the way they impacted winning, you know, like you watch like a full game of theirs or the highlights with the passing and the excitement and just the plays that it took to win, you know, like at the, at the right time. Um, I feel like that's so underrated. Like you said, it, it's way more than just the stats because a lot of guys these days, they put up a lot of numbers, but at the same time, you're, you're not impacting winning as much as if you watch a real game of bird and magic, they're, they're controlling all the action. Like it, it is incredible. Yeah. And and they brought in so many new fans, um, you know, people who weren't fans of basketball, they became fans of basketball in the eighties mm-hmm. because of those two mm-hmm. guys. And even if you didn't really know the game, you could watch the way they played. And it was just like, it was art, you know? So yeah. Yeah. they saved the NBA. And um, again, going back to what, what I said earlier, it's just, I know it, it depends on the age of people in the hobby and so forth, um, but it's it just is amazing to me how few, at least that I see on social media and stuff like that, how few Magic Johnson and Larry Bird true collectors there actually are compared to like, you know, some of these guys in the 90s that maybe they came through a better card period, you know, during the PMGs and the essential credentials and all these big cards uh, in the Jordan era. But uh, man, they from a player standpoint, they don't come anywhere close, but yet there's more people that collect those other guys. I think just because of the, the time period they played in. So, yeah, yeah. true. And I, I think also with that, uh, they just, they also sign so much. Like I was joking with my mom and I'm like, I think these days, you know, well, magic has a lot more going on than bird does as far as his business ventures and co-owning teams and all that. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure they wake up, have their coffee, sign until lunch, have lunch, sign until dinner. You know, but they they do have a lot of autographs out there. But I am also surprised that there's not more people, you know, crazed about bird and magic. But maybe they're just slightly too early for the main collector, like 40 year old uh, standard guy you might think of in the hobby. Maybe they're just like slightly too old. I don't know. And then Jordan came along, too, and kind of I maybe took a lot of the excitement yeah. from these guys, you know, up, you know, up them one and yes maybe that's part of it well we'll get into a little more of that but um you know on three and three here that if this is someone's first time catching one of these 
We're going to look at three of Carmine's favorite cards in his collection. And then we're going to look at three cards that he wants to add to the collection. So, Carmine, if you're ready with card number one, let's do it. Okay. I will, you know, I, can I do a two for, for number one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's okay, already okay. cheating. He's already cheating. I, I'm cheating. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, but they're both uh, bird and magic autographs, dual autographs. So, uh, thanks for taking me full screen there, Adam. So, I got a uh, bird and magic dual autograph here it's uh sp authentic 2012 2013 and this one is honoring um adam the jersey you have on the uh indiana state sycamores yeah. against michigan state 1979 the national championship game got the uh dual autograph of magic and bird on the hardwood there wow. and it's not it's not from that court but still it's a it's kind of a cool uh homage to their you know, meeting in the national championship and then kicking off their rivalry into the pros. But hard to believe, you know, 45 years later, almost still the most watched championship game in NCAA history. And you think not only about the interest in sports growing since then, but the, just how much the U.S. population has grown since then. It's almost unthinkable that this would magnetize the country. You know, you got the hick from French Lick and of course, you know, magic from inner city, Michigan, um, black guy, white guy, outgoing black guy, introverted white guy. So you had the total ends of the spectrum and it brought everybody together. And I think the country together also, um, you know, by seeing them compete against each other and eventually become great friends. So you have that dual autograph from the college days. And then this one is from the pro days, magic in the Lakers, Larry and the Celtics, of course. And it also, I like what I like about this card. It's exquisite. So, you know, the Primo brand, uh, pre-Panini. And then you also have it as the finalist set. So it has the, the Larry O'Brien trophy kind of honoring uh, all their showdowns in the finals and then the championships that each of them won. Five for Magic, three for Bird. And it's numbered out of 25, dual autograph, both on card. It's... uh. What year is it? 2008 exquisite. So that's my my third of the uh, bunch there. Man, that's what's cool about like, like I was saying, after you get out of his playing years, there's so many cards, but like I'd never seen those two. I mean, I've heard of obviously exquisite and everything, but right. uh, that first one, never, never seen that one before and, and never seen that particular exquisite. But man, dual auto magic bird. Wow. I, I love that. Great yeah, card. I got those. Thank you. I got those recently. And the exquisite here, I was like, it was one or two weeks before the national, this most recent national. And I'm like, I saw this on uh, my buddy Mikey's cards, uh, Instagram. And I'm like, I've really been saving up for the national is the first one I'm going to, do I want to blow my money before I get there? You know, I've been saving for this. I'm looking for cool cards, especially Bird and Magic also is up there. And then I'm like, well, if I saw this at the National, this would be something I went there for. So I convinced myself that I was okay spending the money that I saved for the National, pre-National, because this was a card that I would have gotten. And I spent 2800 cash on this one, which is a lot for me. <laughs> That's like, you know, instantly top three most expensive cards but um those exquisite yeah, it, cards they they really command a high price it, tell me yes. because that's an that's an area 
where I haven't really dug too deep into and I'm not that knowledgeable on it. Uh, I want to kind of get into that more. Uh, tell me about the exquisite brand. Why is that, you know, started, what did it start in 03? It came out or uh, I think, I think, yeah, I think it matched LeBron's okay. year. Also. So that obviously so I, plays a big role into why it's such a coveted yeah. set. And then it was just, I, I, you know, that was, I wasn't in the ballpark to buy the exquisite at the time when I was a kid collecting, but I knew that this was the primo number one brand when I was collecting. I'm like, that's, that's the flawless of back then. Right. You know, in my, in my head, like when I collected and then leaving for about mm, 15 years and then rediscovering during the pandemic, like a lot of people and uh, you know, figuring out what's the most like upper echelon brand if I'm really going to invest or collect something really nice. So yeah, I remember it that being the number one from when I was a kid and never being able to get it. And so to get a dual autograph of my two, you know, favorite guys and then have it be that brand that I could never get. It, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. We, was, when I was collecting first started collecting basketball cards, there weren't any like primo brands in the, you know, late right. 80s, early 90s. it was just like tops. clear and pops, you know, and, or, right. upper or whatever. Yeah. But there was uh, it, that's why it's, it's so funny to, to see the different eras and the type of cards for the same player that you can collect, you know, based on mm -hmm. when you collect the cards. Yep. Yeah. All right. Agree. Let's go. Number two. All right. So, well, all right, since this is a Larry Bird episode, I'll save one of them because I feel like building up to the crescendo. But uh, for this one, you know what's also interesting, Adam, is you being born in 1981, Larry Bird's first year having his solo tops rookie card. Yes. So and that's a very that's a very important uh, I'll give just give you a quick version of it the, the, that's a very important card for me because okay. that's the card that like I said I collected from, you know, 86 to 95 like a lot of kids um mm -hmm. at my age. And then um you know, I really started buying cards again when I graduated college in in uh, 2003, you know, right when I noticed eBay and was buying cards and so forth, but nothing nothing really to do with bird yet. Uh, or any of like the vintage cards that I collect now. Um, but really it was about like 2015, 2016 when, again, I, I had no idea there was like a social media sports card hobby thing or YouTube or anything like that. I right. was just, you know, I'd hop on eBay and buy, buy cards here and there. And um, that was it. I didn't know anyone else who collected. Yeah, but one of the cards that I bought, um, I think it was like 2016, 17, was that 81 bird in a PSA 10. Wow. And if I got that card for uh, it was a, it was a big purchase at the time, but I had no idea on the population. I just knew like, hey, here's a here's a PSA 10 bird 81 sitting here on eBay. And right. it was like it was about 700 bucks. OK, so that was a lot. That was a big purchase for me. Yeah. Yeah. Flash forward. I just happened to see I think it was like uh, Bill Simmons or something unrelated to sports cards, but within sports. I think he like reposted something about how that card PSA 10. 20 January of 2021 had just sold for $49,000 at heritage auctions. No, and I, I was like, just staring at, the, I'm like, what? Well, I like ran to my closet and like looking for the card. I'm like the one I have, you know, so it turns out there, there was only like 58 of those in PSA 10 at the time. Um, so just in a wow. matter of five years or four years, um, it had gone from uh, now that was, if you know, 2021, that was uh, an anomaly for sure. Right. So, of course, that's kind of what got my attention. Um, it was just cool for me to see like, well, sports cards are this popular now? I had no idea. I was just doing it in a vacuum. 
Um, but anyway, I'll tell the longer story, but I ended up selling that card for a big profit, not 49,000, but a good amount about what it still goes for now. Uh, wow. And that kind of kicked me off back into this thing where, you know, I had some money to play with and um, I, I missed the card, but I don't, I think of all the cards that I bought with that money. Um, and so anyway, that, that card is very special wow. to me because it, 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 I, it signifies so much within the hobby for me and, and bringing me back basically. Wow. It also signifies a lot in dollar signs too. Yes. And oh, a lot do, of do, great cards. Do you, that I do you care if I, do you care if I say how much it's going for now? I mean, I, I guess anybody could look no, it up. I, I, I mentioned this. It, mine sold for 28,500 or something like that. Are you exactly. kidding me? 28,000, a card that I bought for like four or five years earlier for about 700 bucks. Oh my gosh. That is insane. Well, I don't think we'll ever see that ever again, as far as in a short time period. You know, I, I bought those cards just, Oof. I was just like, Hey, these would be cool things to have. And like, I didn't even val- look at the values again within that five years. I just figured, Hey, you know what? Some, someday when I'm really old, maybe it'll be worth more. And it's just cool to have or to hand down. Yeah. Never in a million years did I think it would ever go up that much, let alone in that short time period. You know, right. Nuts. Well, good good for you because your heart was in the right place and then you made the smart move and capitalized on you would be crazy to pass up that opportunity. Um, and now it's down to 18,000 was the last sold. Okay. So according yeah, to card it's, ladder. So it's come down. It's there's been a few more added. I think there's like 63 or four of them in there now. You know, so four or five, six came out of the woodwork that graded a yeah. 10, but it's just such a hard card to get in a 10 that yeah it still maintains its value and that's you know? funny too because i saw one at the national and i'm like i i don't really do a lot of vintage although the next card that i'll show actually well could be considered vintage to some but uh so i don't really know this market i know a lot more about the larry bird current stuff like flawless and uh you know some of those brands and uh, national treasures and immaculate that kind of thing but I saw this PSA 10, same card you're talking about that you bought and sold at the National in a showcase. And I was like, oh, that's probably a few thousand dollars, you know, because I'm thinking kind of in a junk wax, junk wax realm right. that it was overproduced, overprinted. And I had no idea the population right now is only 68. And I had no idea that it was going for that much because I know the PSA 9s and below are reasonable. Like the last right. PSA 9 went for... 600 you know and it's around there right with a, four, with a 1400 pop and then you go up to psa 10 and you're at 68 so yep. i i did not know that until looking it up and um uh, was blown away by that you're telling me man that was I, I i just couldn't believe it so yeah anyway that's uh that and here i am uh whatever three year two two three years later and uh it's just kind of spiraled into <laughs> all, all this did, stuff did, I'm doing. did that money go back into sports cards mostly or did yeah. you use any for living expenses or anything else no it, it i basically what i did with it is i um it was all gravy so i basically said all right you know what i'm i was i was in the hobby man i was like wow i had my attention right? <laughs> after that so, sale you yeah. got your attention after that sale yeah man. so i took <laughs> actually took that entire profit and um I ended up buying a lot of cards with it, vintage cards, you know, some bad, bad purchases like Kevin Durant cards. Uh, you know, so I made some mistakes with it, but, um, by and large, I put it to good use because I did buy a lot of, you know, Mickey Mantle cards with it and and stuff that, you know, I'm holding on to long-term and I think will do pretty well. So yeah, I put it, I put it all back into cards. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. So anyway, um, sorry for that uh, sidetrack, but oh, I oh no, that was great. That you got it. Yeah. You got to talk about that. A, a, a cool uh, twenty-seven thousand three hundred dollar profit. Man, That's pretty yeah. good. 
that, I don't, that will never happen to me again. I don't think I've ever made money on a sports card other than that one card. <laughs> Everything else. Right. I mean, you hit I the lottery play. one time and then yeah. now you've been buying scratch offs ever since. Exactly. All right. Over to you. Whenever you're ready with your next card. Okay. Next card. One year before you were born, Adam, 1980 tops triple. Oh. It's the, it's the triple of uh, bird and magic's first tops card, but on oh, it together man. on either side of the triple perforated card there with Dr. J who was the scoring leader at the time in the middle. So 1980 tops, all three of those guys, but the key here is it's signed by all three guys. So it's a PSA five condition, but also the key I think is the 10 auto because you want that auto to be real bold and beautiful uh, and especially if it's in person too. So um, I picked this up at the national, uh, the most recent one. So this was at our uh, Wolfpack trade night. And we have like a, a little group, you know, between me and Craig, you mentioned my podcast host. We have Ken sports card lessons, cousin Oz and Tony who do the cousins collectibles podcast, sports card therapist, Rob. And uh, also we have Dave DJ sports cards, 86. So we had a little group trade night and it just kind of came full circle because I was able to, at our own trade night that we were hosting, pick up a card that I had really been after because of the three autos. And also, you know, Bird and Magic, their first card from Tops, 1980, the year before you were born. And then they came out with their first individual rookie cards and all three signed. So I looked up the numbers. And if you want to get each of these guys to sign this particular card in person, it's already like 1800 bucks just for, right. just for their signatures for this card. Cause they charge a premium knowing that a lot of people want to get this card signed as an iconic card. And then that's not to mention the cost of buying the card itself, which in good condition will be several hundred or in the thousands. And then the transportation to find out where these guys are going, fly or drive wherever they're at, stay in a hotel, hunt them down and, you know, pay a, a multiplier of what they charge for a regular card to sign this. So um pretty happy to uh ecstatic really to get this uh, at the national incredible collectible right there, man. That that's yeah. a Mount Rushmore basketball card. And the, you know how tough it must be to get a 10, I would think a 10 auto on that because all, yeah. first of all, it's a tough card to autograph on, right? You got the three panels yeah. and then yep. all three have to, right get a 10 in order to for it to get a 10 right is it so, right i mean man that's that's a great great card right there in on its own and then you add in that factor of the three autos man wow incredible yeah yeah I, awesome. I i think this is my favorite card in my collection but it's not the card i saved for last because this is really a larry bird themed episode or else i would have had it at number one just with like you said the iconic significance of the three all-time greats on the same card, Bird and Magic, first card printed as pros. And I cannot imagine the story behind whoever got all three of these autographs. Like, did they get, like, Magic and Bird at the same time and Dr. J separate? Did they track all these guys down over a course of five or ten years? How did they preserve the card in between each individual guy autographed it? It's just, like, so many questions that I wish... You know, there was like if you scanned the QR code on the PSA slab, it could bring you up the story of however they track these guys down. So, uh, and it's so you know. such a great card. My cat's even getting excited to meow. <laughs> <laughs> a little tail wagging. Nice. Yes. 
Every, even my cat loves that card. Oh man, that's awesome. That's uh, that is that that would be one on my list for Larry Bird is to because uh, I've seen per, part of me was like I never even thought it would be possible when I, I was like you get a triple auto and then I've seen a few of those now uh, and man that is for sure like that's a grail right there unbelievable yeah yeah I'm excited about it I think in any grade I think it's around maybe a 500 uh, population I think there's like 300 or so higher than this PSA five with a ten auto wow but you know especially with how much it costs. And the difficulty, let alone the price, but the difficulty to track all three of these guys down at whatever right. signing we're at, it just is an automatic population limiter and a value increaser in my mind if you were looking at it as an investment, which I also am. Because if I put three to $4,000 or around there of my own money or trade value into something, I want to be pretty confident it's going to it's going to hold its value. You know? Yeah. I, I say that all the time, man. Look, if you're putting real money into cards, like we are, look, we love these cards, but mm -hmm. we also want to make sure we're buying stuff that we think at least has a chance of holding its value at the very least. Uh, oh, yeah. Let alone, you know, if we're lucky, maybe it goes up, but yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to throw our money away either. So yeah, I think buying things like that, I think it's, it's as sure of a bet as there probably is, there's no guarantees, but that's, I, I think that's, Pretty good right there. I think you're looking good right there. Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. All right. This is the number one that I saved. And it's a Larry Bird autograph patch. And it's flawless. And it's a one of one. So Ooh. I also got this at the most recent national. And I was kind of going back and forth, which is my favorite card between the 1980 tops triple auto and the bird one of one and i'm still somewhat torn about it but for our uh, larry bird theme i gotta go with the one of one uh you know so that's a an extreme limiter right there on uh the population of course and then with the patch auto which is my favorite type of card with a patch auto game used and flawless which is my favorite current brand and exquisite is my favorite older brand so when I had the opportunity to get this at the national, I, uh, I just had to do it. And I had actually known the guy before this, he saw that I was a Larry bird collector on one of the Facebook groups and we had been talking. He didn't have this card at the time, but I saw him at the national. We were just like perusing the different, the thousands of setups. And we just happened to bump into each other. And he said, Oh, Hey, you're Carmine. I listen to your podcast. I was the one messaging you on Facebook and I said, oh, great, perfect. And he showed me the Larry Bird cards that he brought with him. And he was set up as a dealer. So I took a picture of the Larry Bird cards. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll have to come by your table. You know, where are you at? Got his number, got his location. And uh, started immediately formulating a plan for which Larry Bird card I wanted out of the ones that he had. He also had a National Treasures one-of-one one patch auto, the Clutch Factor one. And it was vertical. But I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to get something that I never want to give up unless it's like a ridiculous offer and uh, something that would be an all time display piece in my collection. So I said, flawless patch auto, one of one. I got to go after it. And so uh, thankfully, he was able to take mostly trade. I, and, and it was funny, though, this story, because I traded to him a card that he previously owned. So I traded him back a card that he had before. It was also a Larry Bird one of one. 
but it was an immaculate, uh, or no, I'm sorry, it was impeccable. One of one auto with a piece of the jersey. It was a multicolored jersey, but it was not a patch. It was almost like on the Sycamores part of your jersey, how you have the two colors there on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. So that was the piece. So it wasn't quite a patch, so it was much less valuable. And I had traded for that at the Burbank card show. But when I traded this back to the guy, I took a $1,000 loss. And I included it in the trade because I knew I didn't have that much that much cash. So I said, I got to let go of this bird one of one to get a much better bird one of one. And I also in that trade included a Trevor Lawrence XRC uh, rookie auto number to 99 from select. And I had made a thousand dollar profit on that trade to get into the Trevor Lawrence, which I, which I had just gotten into the day before also at the national. So if I hadn't made that move, I wouldn't have been set up to go after this all time grail for myself. And so the thousand dollar loss with the other bird, one of one that this guy had previously owned, he took back and then I made the thousand dollar profit on the Lawrence. So it was kind of a wash and I threw some cash on top with a exquisite bird uh, patch auto. And uh, actually it was more of a Jersey uh, auto, but so I'm into this for like 5,000. But, um, and like you said, that's a lot of money. That's more money than I have in my checking account right now, which kind (laughs) of, which kind of scares me, but you know, it's such a, it's such a hobby and an investment and to, to get that feeling for myself, knowing that I came back into the hobby about two years ago and was able to get one of the best Larry bird cards I could think of. Uh, I just couldn't pass up not only having this collectible, but having the gratification and the pat on the back, like, look at what you were able to do, you know, to level up to this point. So that's kind of the, the physical representation and also the emotional gain of having that happen. Well, that that's too, what makes it, like you said, even more fun and more of a great, collectible because at the end of the day you, you think about the wheeling and the dealing and the and the strategizing that you had to do right. to get that you know and, right. and um it makes it even more satisfying um, it's, for me yeah I, I would i would look at that and say you know that's that's a cooler story than like you know me just popping on ebay and hitting the buy it now you know oh oh <laughs> you, you know? cannot you can't you can't buy you know the the story that comes along with a card especially yeah. if it stays in your collection and for him to accept a card back that he had previously owned, I would I was just baffled because I knew what he sold it for. He sold it to the guy I traded it for uh, or with at eighteen hundred is what he sold this bird impeccable one of one with the two color jersey on it. And I told him, listen, I'll be honest, I'm into this for three k. This is what I traded the guy at in Burbank, which credit to him. He traded it to me and made $1,200 on me in the trade, you know, but if it's a one of one hard to value. And I was so excited during that trade that I wanted a bird one of one that I, you know, honestly let my excitement get ahead of me as far as fairly valuing what that card was worth. So I'll admit that I made a mistake with that. And I told him I'm in it. I'm into it for 3k. He said, yeah, I don't really. I don't really want to take this card back because I let it go. I kind of let that emotional part of the card. You know, now it's kind of like secondhand and I don't feel the same about it. And I'm like, listen, I get that. If you were to accept this back in the trade, what would you value it at? 
I know what I paid for it. Don't feel bad for me. Honestly, tell me. He's like, yeah, I think I'd have to be like two grand on it. And I said, okay, I could do that. You know, and I, and I included it. I think he was a little surprised because he didn't want to offend me knowing what I had into it. But um, I also knew what I had into the Trevor Lawrence that he was interested in. So I knew that thousand dollar profit mixed with a thousand dollar loss would kind of be a wash and we could work with that. On that, on that patch, on that, that card, what, what do you think that the white is? Do you think that's part of his name or part of a, a number? Oh, it, good question. Sometimes yeah, I like know. to try to figure that out. I, maybe it's part of the C. That's Could my ultimate, yeah. that's my ultimate, because the kind of how it curves, you know, at yeah. that angle. Yeah. But uh, I'm not quite sure, but yeah, I mean, it was pretty, pretty distinctive awesome. patch and nice. So I was like, yeah, I gotta, gotta go for it. Beautiful. All right, before we um, pull up card ladder here and look at three of the bird cards on your want list, I do yeah. want to mention, um, I, I was going to do this earlier, I forgot, but um, I want to credit Rob, sports card therapist, who has been on my three and three show here in the past. Uh, I heard him say, yeah, I, I didn't remember who it was, but he, he said one of my friends in the Wolf Pack mm -hmm. uh, is a Larry Bird collector. And um, right. I remembered that and I reached out to Rob and said, can you connect me with the guy you said was a Larry Bird collector? So thank you to Rob for uh connecting us together and i think uh if it's possible i'd love to go through the whole wolf pack here and, and have all the wolf pack on my channel if they'd be willing to do it uh i meant to go to the wolf pack trade night when i was at the national but i just couldn't i mean i got i got hung up and next thing i knew the night was over so uh maybe next time but uh, i do want to connect more with the wolf pack because i watch a lot of the content and i think it would be great to to uh talk with uh ken and and um cousins collectibles guys all those guys yeah, that want to yeah. you know kind of see if i can connect with if i could oh yeah i'm sure they i'm sure they would love that and the first time we were all together was at the national so it was like we were all hanging out in our hotel room and um just all the guys that you have connected with online and talked to on podcasts and stuff like that but then you know everybody's a kid again hanging out in the uh hotel room me being 29 all the way up to ken who's in his mid 50s and it's just it was just so great how um, this hobby can bring everybody together, but I'm sure they would, they would love to, uh, you know, hang out and talk. I mean, they're, they're great guys and they have chosen to do a podcast. So you, you're pretty sure they, they probably like to talk cards. All right. That's it for part one. But in the next video, we're continuing on talking with Carmine. We're going to be looking at three of the Larry Bird cards on his want list. I might break out a little fire in this one too, in part two. So stay tuned for that. Thanks, guys.